Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to attend the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to attend the Channelized Bing Bingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paul Hawksby. Hi, and I'm Shabana Harris. That's right, Shaban was in with me today. She's in with me on Friday as well with uh, with Andy away, and we had we had some fun, didn't we? Yeah, I was let out of the 5am box. That's it, you into got a the line, afternoon. you actually overslept. I, I did, got to yeah. up at half eight this morning, but delightful to be with you all yeah, the same. Yeah, it was lovely to see you. We had, uh, we had some fa- fantastic guests. Vera Hill is 92 years young, she's a Nottingham Forest fan, and the club bestowed a great honour on her. Uh, the other day and they looked after her and she told us a story of what went on when she went back to the city ground after many years. Uh, we also had a more serious chat. There was another ACL injury to a top player who plays mm. in the Women's Super League and we were joined by uh, Vic, uh, Victoria McIntyre who's an expert in the field to explain what's going on with all these ACLs in women's football. So it was very interesting. Though. Another one, said yeah, Khaled. Exactly. Another one. Sadly. Uh, yeah, and sadly, of course. Um, we had a bit of a chat about stuff. We also um, paid tribute to a talk sport uh, listener and contributor, Ewan McIntosh, who mm. played Big Keith in the office. And, uh, yeah, here it all is. <laughs> Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Chaban. Good to see you. Good afternoon, Paul. Lovely to be with you. Yeah, lovely to see it. I'd like your headphones. You've got sparkly uh, headphones on. It's only Andy Jacobs could carry those off. Apart from you, I can't think of anybody else, though. Do you know what? These headphones go back to my DJing days in really? Glasgow. So they're about 16, 17 years old. Wow, well, that's headphones. very old tech, isn't it? Very that? old, but they fit my little pea head because <laughs> I've got a tiny head. So the ones you're wearing that are in the studio... They dwarf you. Yeah, they fall off. They don't yeah. fit properly. So... The trouble is Alan stretches all of these. I know. Um, so it just uh, kind of fall. I just kind of fall over your head, fall over your face. Alan has the biggest head known to man. F- and funnily enough, my, my wee boy last night said to my husband, he was putting him into bed, and uh, he rubbed my husband's face and said, "Dad." Got a really long round face. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, yeah. That's he also. I'm from a, a family of big heads, and I've got the pea head, so that <laughs> explains the little headphones. <laughs> so we got uh, loads to get stuck into today. Mm. Um, you're usually these days on Talksport bringing us early breakfast, so you start at five in the morning. So mm-hmm. this must be a delight. Having a, although you overslept, you said this morning. Slept in a little bit today. Wow. Had my, the alarm set for half past seven in the end. Didn't get up till half past eight. The kids are on half term. And um, didn't get up till a little bit later, so ah. I was treated to a bit of a long lie. But you know that way you find yourself going, "Oh my God, what's happened? Yeah, yeah. What's missed?" Um, but nice to have a wee break from from early breakfast and to yeah. join you in the afternoon. Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing with myself. Well, an old colleague of yours, apparently back in the ITV days, uh, Laura Tobin, has mm-hmm. been saying today that she overslept. They had some sort of charity quiz they all went to and uh, I take it she has to be in at about five in the morning doesn't she to prep I would think normally Laura is the ultimate professional Uh, I worked at Good Morning Britain for about five years and she would never ever have been late Um, apparently had one too many bevies yeah fell asleep in the hotel didn't set the alarm the phone was on silent didn't wake up till half past six so bit of a nightmare for Laura she's the type of person who you just never have down as as sleeping in because she's never done it. Wow. But it happens to the best of us at some point. Well, we thought we might ask the listeners some great oversleeping tales. I mean, you know, it's often the, the very worst time it could ever happen. And you, you, like you said, you're one of those people that never does that. You're able to get up, you get up at half past two, you were two, telling me. Two thirty. And I think oh. it's the fear, the horror of that uh, 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 alarm clock at yeah. half two. My husband's probably thinking, get up and get out. You so you, you go for the aggressive alarm because these days, you know, you can vibrating watch or yeah. you can kind of have the sounds of the sea or bird, bird you can't really have bird song at quarter past two in the morning. But if I really? did have that, Paul, I would sleep in. Yeah, that's so the I trouble, need, isn't it? I need the shock to the system. Yeah. And then if I do miss that, which I haven't missed before, then I have the whoop the whoop watch on oh, with okay. the band and that'll give me like a so you have backup and that comes on like two minutes later it's the afternoon so I go home and I'll sleep for 
two or three hours in the afternoon yeah. and I've often kind of missed the window for the kids getting them from the school run ah. and I've woken up last minute and going oh my god ran out practically in the pyjamas and my daughter was <laughs> embarrassed looking yeah. at me like where have you been um, so yeah no that that's the afternoon alarm clock's the right. one that I'm often trying to not sleep in for but the morning seems to be okay but well, I know it'll happen well we'll take some of those if we if, if the very worst time the very worst moment you chose to uh, sleep in we'll take the best of those today 03717 you could um, leave whatsapp voice messages which we've been doing that's and, nice uh, isn't yeah, it yeah they've been going quite well the last few days so if you've got a tale you want to tell us in your own words 03717 talksport.com forward slash 18 j text to 81089 or you could tweet to uh, TSH&J. We are going to be talking a bit of Napoli later on. They're taking on Barcelona in the big big Maradona derby. And in the build-up to that, it's been a pretty disastrous season for Napoli after a brilliant season last year. They've changed managers more than once. And uh, one of the managers that came in was uh, a complete disaster, Rudy Garcia. Um, He uh, went very, very quickly. And uh, Aurelio De Laurentiis, the uh, president of the club, said, I should have sacked Garcia after his first day. Um, but then he says, because someone who arrives and says, I don't know Napoli, I've never seen a match. That's I should terrible. have understood. Surely just don't give him the job in the first place. Don't think, don't, so you hear that, you don't think, okay, then when can you start? You think, you don't know anything about the club, what's the point? But he gave him the gig. That's, so that's on his, that's on his fault, yeah. on oh, his yeah. head. Be I mean, imagine the football club like Napoli, the season they had last time round, and somebody turning up and saying, I actually haven't seen them. What? Why would you give anybody a job yeah. based on that answer? Well, I mean, if that's you've, terrible. If you've got some tales of uh, those you really, if you are an employer, you think, maybe I really should have sacked them on the first day. The writing was on the wall yeah. of an employer and employee. Talksport.com, text 1889, tweet 0371722344. Lots more to throw at you later on. Uh, we're going to kick off in Germany. Only Nack's going to join us because official word this morning that uh, Thomas Tuchel is off. And it has a knock-on effect for Liverpool, of course, mm-hmm. with with uh, them hoping to get Xavi Alonso. Suddenly, the buying job becomes available, uh, and and it's early. This is the thing that they've they've got a chance to smoke lots and lots of people out, um, because otherwise it could be a bit of a lame duck season. We'll talk to Ollie about that. It's not mm-hmm. going particularly well at the moment, is it? When you know the bosses leaving you don't know who's going to take over and we do know there's problems at boardroom level right for Bayern Munich we've heard this more and more over the last couple of weeks but Thomas Tuchel just hasn't hit the heights that they did expect him to and now it looks like they're going to miss out on the league for the first time in what 11 seasons yeah yeah who's going to take that job there's also the rumour mill rife today and it is purely a rumour that we can't ignore what if Jurgen Klopp turned his head to Bayern Munich. Just what if that happens? Who replaces Xavi Alonso then at Leverkusen? Also, Barcelona playing tonight. Who's going to replace Xavi at the end? Yeah. You know, it's, there's a lot of managerial jobs. jobs. Yeah. And it feels like we're fishing in a very small pond. And that's why you can't help but think, what if Jose Mourinho comes back to Bayern, you know, went to the likes of Bayern Munich and got another big club? Because he is highly respected okay the game is moving on but who are they going to who are they going to select otherwise yeah, you know, yeah. there's a, not well, much Jose might be going from. elsewhere more on that a little bit later on the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast the Forest fans in uh, full voice uh, ahead of the game and um, I'm sure getting teary all again mm. as she listens to that is 92 year old Vera Hill uh, she went viral this week lovely touch by the club to invite her along to uh, a game um, she was a Forest regular back in the day she started to lose her eyesight and had not been going to games but wanted to hear uh, the fans singing that song again and uh, it's a lovely viral video of her getting very emotional as, as uh, they're in full voice and we're delighted to say Vera is a talk sport listener um, and she joins us now good afternoon Vera good afternoon wow. oh, hi was, Vera how was, are you yeah lovely lovely to talk to you 
Yes, I'm fine, thank you. Good. A bit nervous, but oh, I'm fine. You're, you're among friends. And <laughs> thank you for listening to the station. You were telling our producer earlier on you you uh, tune in. After your lunch, you tune in. That's right, And, yeah. uh, and listen, listen to everybody, which is great. So uh, thanks for being a listener. So was yes. it? So what a lovely thing. How, how did this come about? How did, who was it who alerted the club to the fact that you'd my like da- to go again? My daughter. Hmm. My daughter wanted to go take me to the ground just to hear Mullivkin tire and it was back in January I knew nothing about it she knew I loved to hear it on the radio and uh, she got in touch with the club and spoke to a young fella called Will, mm. he was brilliant and they they sent her two complimentary tickets for Debbie and me to go to the match I mean, she never expected anything and then I didn't know anything until we got to the ground. Wow. Oh. I know she told me little bits at a time what was going to happen. I would be interviewed if I wanted to be. I could say no, but I did interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, Will did the interview with me, and he was absolutely wonderful. And yeah, so we got two free seats. And I just couldn't believe any of it at the time. <laughs> I still can't believe what, what's happened. I really can't. But yeah, it's been marvellous. O- overwhelming, I must say, but overwhelming. Yeah, lovely. You had us all overwhelmed also, Vera, just watching you take it in and hear the fans singing so loud. And, I know. You know, what, what was that moment like for you? Oh, it was very emotional. It, it was very emotional. Um, my grandson suddenly appeared outside of me. I didn't know he was going to be there. He's a forest support and does go to the matches. Mm. But he suddenly appeared and I don't know. I, I actually went on the pitch. I, I couldn't believe that. <laughs> I don't, it was. I suppose it was like a dream. I couldn't believe any of it. And then, and after we heard uh, Mull of Kintyre, um, Will took us to our seats in the uh, Peter Taylor stand mm. for my daughter and me. So, but everyone had been marvellous at Forest. It's been marvellous, so I'm really appreciative. Yeah. Yeah, so. it, must, it must have been a difficult decision, as your eyesight was failing, Vera, to, to give yeah. up your seat, to not go anymore. I mean, it must yeah. have been very sad, very frustrating, because it had been a big part of your life, hadn't it? Yes, yes. First with my husband, and then oh, he yeah. died in 2000, and my son took over his dad's seat, so my son carried, carried on taking me. And we went to lots of away matches, um, my son took me too, so he carried on. And I went, uh, I gave up my season ticket in 2012. I started with the macula in 2010. Mm-hmm. And I just can't see, I can't, I can see movements of the players, right. but I couldn't see who was who. Right. And But I do watch Match of the Day, so I did actually see the two goals on Saturday. Right. I, I, I stood right in front of my television <laughs> screen and I could see the two goals. And I predicted the score. Oh, wow. Okay. We had, had, had a little flutter on it. Yeah, definitely. I know. When, when Will did the interview and the last question, he said, uh, what do you think the score will be today? And I thought, I said, 2-0 to Forest. Oh. And I couldn't believe it. So, yes, it was a brilliant day. Yeah. Brilliant. Yes. I still can't believe it. Oh, They're going to be coming to you as a tipster. After I know, that, yeah, aren't they? I want to do that. Mascot, yeah. mascot yeah. Vera. Yeah. Um, Vera, it's important that we discuss uh, sensory in this situation because quite often now we think about young kids going to football, kids that may have learning difficulties, kids that are having issues with hearing. Um, but when you're at the football, despite your vision being slightly impaired, you still feel the connection, you still feel the importance oh, yeah. and the love of the game. Yes, yes. I had headphones on for the first half because they were kicking towards Bridgeford End and I was sat at the other end of the main stand, mm. nearer to the Trent end. But the second half, I didn't put the headphones on because I could see 
Forest when they when they were up to the end, you know, and when they scored, I didn't see the first goal. I saw that on uh, match of the day at the night time, and then and my daughter was telling me what was happening as well. Although she's not a football supporter, right. yeah. but yes, but she, but she took me anyway. Yeah, it, it was it was brilliant. Mm. I, I really enjoyed. I could see the movement of the players, but. Uh, I could. The only thing that surprised me, I couldn't see Forrest their red shirts, and I could oh, normally oh, see wow. red. Everybody looked in white, but I knew which way Forrest yeah. yeah. were kicking, so I was fine with it. Good. And you're an Instagram sensation. You're all over TikTok. I have to say, yeah. you were shared in a number of my WhatsApp groups, and you know my friends, especially my female friends, all reduced to tears just watching you having a, a good time at the game. It's really lovely to see. Are you going to continue to go back now you've been again? I think I can go to. I think I'm going to another two games because my son-in-law and my daughter's husband they came right from the east coast, right. and Gary, my son-in-law didn't have a ticket because they sent Debbie two two match day tickets and she didn't didn't like asking for because <laughs> she wasn't expecting any mm. she wasn't expecting anything so my son-in-law bought Debbie and then he came and picked me up and he had to sit in his car all through the match and he couldn't even get get, get a commentary he couldn't oh. even get radio not to come on so so but he did find the score before then he met us outside the ground at the end of the match. Lovely. Lovely um, stuff, and David. you remember the good times. I mean, you obviously remember the great times at the club, don't you? Under oh, yes. Brian Clough and Peter Taylor and winning yes. European Cups. Yes, <laughs> yes. But I never watched a European match oh. live. I recorded it. And I used to go upstairs. And my husband would shout at the score to me. I couldn't. I just couldn't watch it. So no. Even the final, you couldn't watch the finals. No, no? I, oh I saw it. I recorded it. We oh. were, well, my husband recorded it. So I did see it after. Yes, when we beat Malmo, mm. and then uh, oh, I almost forget the name. Kevin Keegan's team. Hamburg. Yeah. Hamburg. That's, that's right. It. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We won them both 1-0, didn't mm, we? That's right, yeah. yeah. Trevor Francis scored at Malmo, I think it was. And did you meet any of the old players? I was up at Forest a year, a couple of years ago doing some shows and we saw John McGovern up there. There's plenty of guys oh, that are yeah. still... Did you catch any of the old players while you were there, Vera, at the weekend? No, I didn't. Oh, uh, I know John McGovern, he was captain, wasn't he, for yeah, a while? Yeah, great I listened to Stuart Pearce. He was yeah. my favourite. Oh, well, he'll, he'll, like he'll, he'll, he'll be in I with know. Jim on later this week. I'm <laughs> yeah. sure he'll be on commentary, so uh, yes, he'll, he'll be yes. pleased to hear that. Yes, I, I listened to Stuart, yes. Psycho, they used to call him. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's it. He yeah. used to go up to the trends and they would cheer him before every match. Yeah, John Robertson was a brilliant yeah. player. Yes, I remember all them. Des, Des Walker scored that own goal when we played Tottenham. Yeah. And we lost the FA Cup. Yeah, my husband and me, we was there. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, Vera. I was up the. I'm a Tottenham that. fan. I was up the other end that yeah. day, so oh, yeah. yeah, I was glad yeah. Des scored. But anyway, I don't want to bring you down. Yes, it's his problem, not <laughs> well, yours, Vera. Uh, we've, a lot of people have been getting in touch. They've, they've loved your, your little viral video. And uh, Lisa's a Bristol City fan. She said, "Array for Vera, having a long day in work, and it's cheered me right up." So yeah. uh, I think a lot of people have. Very moved by your video, is what... I know, so. I know, I couldn't believe it. Yeah. I've heard of grown men with tears in their eyes, yeah. and I thought, oh my goodness. Well, it's, it's become a bit, you know, in all the years, the game's changed, and it's become a lot more yes. cynical than it used to be, so it's little moments like that that remind you of... Uh, yeah, it's completely different. You Being know, a fan, what it's all about. wing backs and all that sort of thing, and <laughs> yeah. strikers, it didn't used to be anything like that. So. <laughs> well, Vera... <laughs> Take care. We hope you get back uh, to the city ground soon for another game. Lovely to talk to you. All the best. Yes, Vera, pop in here for a cuppa anytime. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Come and see tonight. us at Talk Sport when I you're might, down in London. Yes, I think I might be going to see when they play Liverpool. Oh, wow. Okay. That'll be a good game. Well, because my son-in-law's going to take me there because he likes Liverpool. Lovely. Excellent. Well, uh, enjoy oh, that. And enjoy as I said, if, you, if you're ever down in London, pop in and see us at Talk oh, Sport. Yes, we'll show we you around. Yeah, I listen to you every afternoon anyway. Thanks, Vera. All the best. Love you, Vera. Take care. <laughs>
Bye-bye. Yeah, Vera Hill, 92 years young Forest fan. Lovely story, isn't it? Yeah, my granny was called Vera. Oh. Um, you're, so it's you're very pro-Veras. I, I love a Vera. Yeah. Um, and especially this Vera, I mean, I must say that... Is Vera back, by the way? Vera is back, I imagine fact. it would be, because it's a, yeah. It's One a lot of, of my old neighbours is, is called their daughter Because you're like, you'll be in a sort of nursery, you're kind of a nursery playground, and it all sounds like names that your nan yeah. went to bingo with. Well, my granny Elsie was Veronica. Vera. Veronica, and then it was Vera for short. Right. Um, but we, we would always know my granny is Vera. Um, oh. So, yeah, it's a name that's coming back, but she's the OG. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, what a lovely lady. And yes, by she the way, was lovely. 92 years old, sharp as a tack. Yeah, it's fantastic. Love isn't that. It? I, mean, mm-hmm. I hope I'm even close to that when I'm 92. I mean, when, not when, Andy, it, was, when Andy was 92, he, <laughs> said, he was pretty good. He's still sticking around. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. We're going to talk um, ACLs in women's football because. Uh, Shaban this morning alerted me to the fact there's been another high-profile one, Mia Fisher, who's picked up an injury while over in the States. This is it. So she's a US international. She is Emma Hayes' other striker at Chelsea. She puts in the goals. A very, very good player. Uh, as you all know, Sam Kerr recently sustained an ACL injury. She's, she's out now for the rest of the season. Uh, the women travelled out to the US uh, for international camp and Mia Fischel has now done her ACL also. She's one of a number of high-profile players. Mm. And Do you know what? When we have this chat, Paul, which is more often than not now when it comes to women's football, it doesn't just affect high-profile players. It's affected players for a long, long time. Mm. It's been around for a number of years, but we've not had the media's eyes on it yeah. for a longer time. Um, and it's affected maybe players who aren't household names, who have done their ACL two or three times in their career. Mm. Um, but the more it happens to the well-known players, like Leah Williamson, Beth Mead, the number of Lionesses who have sustained ACL injuries, even Ballon d'Or winner Alexia Pateas has done yeah. her ACL in the past, we seem to want to know more, why is this happening? Why are women six times more likely to do their ACL? So it's a fascinating discussion and another problem for Emma Hayes because... As they're in the run in the Champions League, it's the head towards winning the title before she bows out and leaves for the US job. She's starting to lose players who aren't in front of her. So what's the difference between the way Emma Hayes has done it at Chelsea for her to go to the US camp and then sustain that injury there? Yeah. It's quite fascinating. You were telling me that. I didn't realise that there's not been any touch wood ACLs on Emma Hayes' watch when they've been working at Chelsea. Mm -hmm. On a number of years. So Emma Hayes kind of led the way in making sure that each female player was individually tracked in terms of their body clock. So, um, for example, say you are day four of your cycle, which means maybe you could be extra lethargic. Your body might not react with the brain as quickly as you would like it to. You're a bit drowsy. You're overtired. Therefore, you shouldn't be on feet that day. Mm-hmm. So they would work it out on their tracker where each player would be. So say me official on day 22 under Emma Hayes, she would say, her team would say, you're actually off feet today, Mia, because yeah. you're extra tired today. So we'll, 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 we'll loosen the load a little bit. But perhaps maybe she's gone to US camp. The travel doesn't help. Maybe she's extra fatigue. And then they've done different training out there and her body's not reacted to it because she should have been off feet, something yeah. like that. So, yeah, Chelsea have certainly like really laid out the way for that, and now everybody's yeah. starting to track how their bodies are feeling, and hopefully that will reduce things. But also, how, how they play football might be something that has to change as well, because we watch the way men play football, and that's how now women train. They might do the exact same things, but with hips childbearing hips that men don't have mm. and then obviously that link into the knee do they have to turn differently do they have to retrain the way they play football wow. it's, a, it's a fascinating subject one that I think we're going to have good insight now from our next guest yeah uh, Victoria McIntyre is consultant physiotherapist and high performance coach who's been studying this area hi Victoria hi Hi, thank you for having me. That's great pleasure. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. yeah so I was chatting off air with Shaban about it and I found it really interesting. It was, I mean, that point of the management of players, I mean, is that something that you've been studying as well? Does does, does that help the situation, the kind of Emma Hayes scenario that Shaban just painted there? I think that, first of all, we're talking about um, Emma Hayes and, and Chelsea and what I, I think is really important to note is that they are absolutely doing incredible things at Chelsea. They're really cutting edge and leading the field on looking at how we can really make football a place that is designed and caters for female needs. And some of those needs will be different to male footballers. 
Um, I think that across the spectrum of the women's professional game, there's going to be a huge variety in terms of resources, and that might be um, facilities and the, the space that we have to work with players, the amount of staff that we have, yep. the amount of money that we can spend on things, the amount of contact time that we have. Um, and of course, the greater the amount of resources that you can put into female athlete care, the better for, for our players. But it's not something that every club can can do no. in the same way. It's interesting, though, because you think with me official being out at US international camp, they have the best resources, you know, that they would have that in abundance because they've been leading the way for female athletes and women's football for so many years. So so why now? Is it is travel affecting it also? Is that something we should be considering with these long haul flights for players? First of all, I wouldn't want to be drawn into discussing the exact mechanisms of this particular ACL because I don't have enough context about it. But generally speaking, absolutely travel is a is a fatiguing factor. And particularly when you're thinking long haul transatlantic, um, that absolutely does take uh, is, is taken into account when teams are considering uh, their athletic prep over the course of the week. When do they travel? How do they travel? Um, what will they do as their kind of restart session when they arrive? Is everybody on the same restart session? They're all things that that the majority of people will uh, consider when they're considering uh, how to, to to integrate players back into sport following extended periods of travel. Victoria, what will be the answer? Because we know there's a, a huge focus group. There's science going into it now. So maybe in 10 years time, we will know why ACLs were so prevalent in the women's game. But are we any closer to understanding it now? Absolutely. There's so much to look at when it comes to ACL injuries. Um, and, and it's the same with any injury. Injuries are, are multifactorial. There's not necessarily always one direct cause where that specific injury happens. Lots of things will feed into it. And in, the, in female athletes, the menstrual cycle is hypothesised to be something that may feed into injury incidents. There's a lot of theory with regards to the different points in the cycle, but there's not been really any conclusive studies that have proven that that actually, um, there's an point. Exactly. So what's really important for female athletes is that they are understanding their own body and their own cycles because what might be true of someone in an early stage of their cycle might be very different to an athlete in, in their early stage of their, their cycle. So I think um, we need to make sure that we are considering that as a variable but also considering the wider context of female athlete development and at the minute we're on massive catch-up and there's huge acceleration mm -hmm. in professionalization mm -hmm. of women's sport um, and that includes SNC and physio and the resources that we talked about but we need to bear in mind that that needs to trickle down not just to academy level within clubs but also to like wider social constructs for example primary schools um, and and how we dress children and in some schools there will be girls that go to school in skirts and dresses and the boys wear shirts and trousers shorts and trousers and and how that then translates to play in the playgrounds during lunch times and play times and the development of those principal movements the way that we move our body mm -hmm. is very gendered um so yes there are there are going to be sex differences between the male and female skeleton but there are also gender constructs that we need to consider more widely as well Victoria, is there a feeling there's enough funding to, to study this? Because, you know, women's football is big business and when there are players, the best player in the world and Alexia Patas is missing and Beth Mead and Leah Williamson, lots of good players, that's not great for business. I just wonder if FIFA are stumping up the money to study this and you feel like there is sufficient funds to try and uh, kind of get to the answer quicker than than we'd hope. Yeah, and the thing is, there's not one body that's responsible for coming up with a solution for this. We all need to pull together. A rising tide floats all, all ships, right? So yes, FIFA and UEFA have a place and they are absolutely um, putting groundwork in to develop this. Um, but equally, national governing bodies and clubs can all get involved in some way to contribute to the, the data and make sure that we've got a better understanding of, of why this might happen more frequently for female footballers going forwards. Uh, Simon says, he's from uh, uh, Newcastle, he says, my daughter has done both her ACLs, which mm. basically finished her short career. Mm. Non-pro footballers don't get the immediate care they need. And I was about to say that, actually, that there must be so many people, as you said, you said, Chaban, lots of high-profile people, but you think of all the other 
uh, people are getting that we, that we never hear about. Uh, this is it, and I think exactly what Tori is saying there is at the beginning of that discussion, it's like that one-to-one care, the amount of bodies who are focusing on each athlete day by day. The more that increases, the more that care will increase for each athlete. But, I mean, this is not this is rife in the championship. This is rife in uh, the, the leagues below for women's football. It is everywhere. It's been around for years, but we're hearing about it more and more. And I think yeah. funding does have a lot to do with it. And the amount of people discussing it also. Ali McCoy used to come in when Sam Kerr had done her injury. And uh, he came in and went, Three letters for you, ACL. What is going on? You know, because the more we're hearing about women's football, the more yeah. we're hearing about the ACL injury, um, and it's causing a huge issue. And it's it's not only a season-ending injury for a player; it's the 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 sadness, the depression, the rehab. It's a long stint to recover from, sure. and it's huge in the men's game also. But women are six times more likely. So once we get to the bottom of understand why that is, mm. it'll be a huge breakthrough. Uh, question, Victoria, from Les, who's a Bristol City fan. He said, do we know if the ratio of women suffering ACL injuries is the same as in other sports, such as skiing, ice skating, tennis, rugby, mm. etc.? Is it something peculiar to football, or can we learn anything from other sports? Um, I wouldn't be able to draw the data from that right off the top of my head. But what we do know is that the, the female skeleton, there are elements of the female skeleton that we can't change that will predispose people to ACL injuries. Um, but what we really need to make sure that we focus on are the things that we can modify. So getting good movement literacy, getting the foundation of strength and conditioning, yeah. helping women understand the importance of tracking their own individual cycles so that they can see where they feel stronger, where they feel better, where they might need to, to take the load off a little bit. Uh, th- those are the real important points. That's a very crucial point, Victoria. My sister's a professional footballer and we're, we're 33 now. And she always says, I know my body now. I've mm. gone through years as a professional athlete and done as I've been told because we follow this training programme as a group because you were a team. But my body wasn't cut out for that that day. I could feel it and I did it. And now I've got this issue. So players who are listening to this, if you can know that your body is off one day, Communicate that with your manager. Have that conversation with your team because you might actually take yourself away from the risk of sustaining an injury yeah. like this. Is there that level of understanding? No, there's not. The lower levels. No. So if you, you might decide, you might say this, I, I, I don't feel comfortable, I don't think I can do any running today. And your manager will say, and well, co- you're on the bench at the weekend. Yeah, exactly. That's not that's, fair. That's the problem, isn't mm-hmm. it? So it's education, Victoria, as well, isn't it, I guess? It's huge. And that's something that uh, we're hopefully going to be able to talk about through the Well HQ next week because um, there's some very exciting things happening with regards to uh, education and, and football in, in England. Good. Thank Brilliant. you, Victoria. Really interesting. Good to talk to you, Victoria. Thanks very much. Thank you for having us. Hi. Victoria McIntyre, consultant, physiotherapist, high-performance coach who's been looking into the amount of ACLs. And it is so many. As you said, Ali's saying that. It's suddenly it's it's on everybody's radar. And there, there's a danger. Mm-hmm. You start to think, oh... It's just another one that in the end, you know, but when it's happening to Sam Kerr, you know, as we said, Alexia Patas, all these huge players, these kind of global stars in women's football, yeah. then people will sit up and take notice. Arsenal they? had six last season. I remember the, like, Beth Meads and whatever would put up, like, the ACL club kind of thing when they were all in rehab together. Yeah. And then there's also that look from the Arsenal uh, coach and staff who are probably kind of going, right, Hold on, we can't be making fun of the situation, even though the girls have all got each other. Yeah. You know, but why? Why so many in that team in that season? They'd be a good focus group, I have to say. And at the top, obviously, there is all that support and the funding and the help that you get. But if you know, if you pick up an ACL and you've still got to go and do a full time job, that makes it I mean it used to be a career ender yeah. back in the day. Thankfully, because of medicine these days, it, it isn't. And you're seeing Leah Williamson back, okay. She's picked up another wee injury now. Beth Mead back, Viviana Miedema coming back. You yeah. know, they will be back hopefully the year later, but it's the process. Yeah. And, and and getting to the point of eliminating it, of reducing that injury, when that happens, it'll be groundbreaking for women's yeah, football. Yeah, yeah. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Good afternoon. It's uh, Paul Hawksby and Shabana Hearn here on Talk Sport. We did mention earlier on a former colleague at ITV, Laura Tobin, the weather presenter, slept in, missed a shift, and say, Shabana gets about half two normally. She'll be doing that. Tomorrow as well, of course, because you're back on with Al and... uh, Is it Gabby tomorrow? Alan and Gabby back on tomorrow from six and then I'm on the early breakfast show from five. five. So it's a nice early rise, but it's a proper puke alarm time. Yeah. 2.30, you're like... But you've not missed one. Touch wood, you've not missed one of those. Touch wood in eight months, I haven't slept in. Um, But as I said to you earlier on, I think it's the sheer horrific sound of the alarm clock. 
that makes me just shoot up and go, yeah. right, don't listen to that for yeah, a I second think, longer. Aggressive alarm clock, that's, that's the way. That's horrible. Um, well, yes, we asked you for your tales of uh, oversleeping and Martin the Charlton fan left us this WhatsApp voice note, Martin. I was 18, 19, so late 80s. I woke up late with a start, jumped out of bed, flew into the shower, got dressed, ran downstairs, effing and jeffing at my mum and dad for not waking me up for work, sprinted all the way to the train station. When I got there, I realised it was a Saturday. <laughs> we knew it was coming. But... <laughs> Happens to the best of yeah, us. Have imagine. you done that, woken up, got ready for work? Yeah, once. Uh, I think yeah. I did it once, yeah. I, I know I got up, I, I remember getting up an hour early and uh, kind of putting on the TV and it not being the programme I thought would be on, then I realised I'd actually got up a whole hour early. Oh, I mean, it's... I mean, it's you know not the end of the world, um, but oh, this is the this is a dark one. Got a sleep in Belter for you. That's one way of putting it. I was working late, had a few drinks, had some fun with a couple of friends afterwards. Forgot to set an alarm and managed to miss not only the Scottish Cup final, no, featuring his team Hibs, but no, it gets much worse than that. But my dad's funeral. <gasps> Keep it light, fella. It must be the worst day of my life, he says. He missed his dad's funeral. Missed, yes. So he was going to go to his dad's funeral in the Scottish Cup final, I imagine. I t- well, I, I, maybe he was going to watch it on the box. So I don't know. Wait, take the edge but, off. Wow, that's that. Yeah. Um, Your dad will never forgive you for that move, you know. Great oversleeping stories. Um, but going back to the ACLs in women's sport, yep. uh, Winston's been in touch. High number of ACL injuries in Aussie rules football as well. Right. Uh, for women. And Lee, who's a basketball coach, says same ratio in women's basketball. It's a cross-sport issue, so all should be working together to resolve it. But you were just saying to me, and I hadn't really thought of this, Japan, that um, women's tennis, where you've got lots and lots of twisting and turning, and most of the ACLs we've seen in women's football have kind of been sort of turns and twists and stuff. Yeah. But they maybe what you so you think they're kind of coached. So that doesn't that isn't an issue. I don't know. I mean, the surfaces are different. I don't know. You got to be careful how you say it because so many people go, "Oh, well, women shouldn't be playing men's football. It's a men's sport," Um, which is just not the case. It's understanding why the body isn't reacting the way men's bodies do. And we're talking about tennis there. The amount of pivots that tennis players do, female athletes do in tennis, but they've also got a coaching standard that's very one to one. Yeah. Well, the difference of women's football is that they do not have that. Yeah, a lot mm. of men's football doesn't have that either. I'm not saying they should, but somebody texted in and it's a very fair point. Our bodies are different. We're built so differently. Yeah, men yeah. and women are very different. So with childbearing hips that women have that link to the knee and the knees where the ACL is at and your hip, your movement all coming from your hips, mm. well, perhaps they have to be retrained as to certain ways of turning to avoid rupturing the ACL. Or, yeah. or snap in the ACL. Perhaps it will come down to something like that. But we're so far off getting to the getting to the root of the cause, you know. Unless there is now ways of tracking how your body's turning and they can say, yeah, that movement there, women need to, you know, like you can reduce header in the ball to sure, understand yeah, yeah. it. Is there something about reducing the way women turn in sport or, or in football games that will reduce the risk of, of doing the ACL? Yeah, yeah. You, you wonder? We still haven't got around to finding out who your next Celtic manager is. We've run out of time again. We'll do that in a minute. No, uh, we're, we're talk- teasing them real good, but listen, it's worth it. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertz and the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to work in the channelized Bimbingus of the Bypassal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chattel sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B, and advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. 
We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Did you see that video a couple of weeks ago of David Beckham and Lino Messi when they were in Hong Kong doing that friendly tour? Yeah. And Messi was the poster boy to sell all the tickets and it was expensive tickets, yeah. like 95 quid each. They all kicked off, didn't they? They were booing Beckham and he was like that, smiling with the mic, like, hi, hi, Hong Kong. Yeah. And they booed him off. So I if know. like, it's no Messi, there's no party. Yeah, The no, fans exactly. don't want to not have Messi. You no. know, there has to be so, more, but, there has to be more. Just a warning for people who like Messi but aren't really into football players do get injured sometimes exactly that. <laughs> they can't guarantee anyway you're back with Alan and Gabby as we said from uh, 6 tomorrow you're going to do your show first 5am then you're going to join the boys from 6 is that right this is it now just um, a tip to Joe Amflip management looking yeah. through the glass right mm-hmm. now do you know that Alan Brazil and Gabby Agbon Lahore are not on flights home until later on tonight right. so you could possibly put a little wager on as to what time they make it in in the morning. Well, if the trouble is, the biggest point, if they meet at the airport at about midnight <laughs> when they come in, Alan will say, not worth going home, Gabby. Let, let's you know, let's, I know this little play. My meet will Real open up. Sweet. We'll open up this play. Yeah, we'll do all that. Anyway, if, if, in case you're missing him, you've missed him the last few days. I have missed we're gonna, him. We're going to uh, bring you a couple of clips from, uh, from this year of Alan in action. Um, two months into the year, and Alan's inability to say the word sustainability has been quite incredible. Here he is. Chief Executive Dan O'Neill says the club has to be compliant with the Premier League's profit and (laughs) sustainability. They've been referred to an independent commission for alleged breaches of profit and sustainable (laughs) rules on their accounts. Many clubs find themselves treading the profit profit and sustainability line. What can we expect from Everton's appeal against the latest profit and sustainable sustainability sustainability <laughs> we've told him just say FFP you know yeah easier, just stick to that easier. Ali he'll probably get that wrong too to yeah. be fair go PFF he, um, he does him. struggle with the, the word sustainability but of course when it comes to pronouncing the venues for the cricket in India Big Al is your man <laughs> the team have now travelled over 400 miles to the second test and oh dear Al you've got to say have a go Visa Kapitanam somewhere in India Harmi where are this- you we're in Vishkapatnam, that's where we are. <laughs> yeah, that's it, that's where they are, Vishkapatnam. Um, and uh, here's uh, Alan alongside Ali McCoy, inadvertently straying into the world of film. This was a bit of a weird one. No, I, no, I cannot get a locker. Even Ed's got one. Everybody's got one, right? Everybody has a locker. Now, at Foot Locker, was that, just, was that a good movie? Do you mean not mean the Hurt Locker? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not sure the Foot Locker would have had the same jeopardy as the Hurt Locker, really. Oh. It bombed the world of bomb disposal or buying a pair of trainers. What a movie that is, by yes. the way, to be fair about yeah. a great movie. The I think locker. Alan was after a free pair, that's what it was. Do you know what? Just a little bit of information from behind the scenes. Yeah. The, the producers in the morning like to make Alan's script a little bit tricky just to see how he deals with Keep it in the him moment. on his toes. Honestly, one day he's going to lose the rag with him, I'm sure of it. Yes. One day. Uh, one final one. Uh, this one, I love this one. This was him uh, chatting to promoter Barry Hearn. There are other markets for us to conquer. We haven't finished the world yet, you know. We're Genghis Khan halfway through. Oh, so, by the way, um, he's been listening. I've just got an email here. Yeah, Genghis Khan is a big listener to talk sport, yeah. Hello, Al. Hello, Ray. Love the show. <laughs> Just stuck someone's head on a spike, you know. Love you. Yeah. He's obsessed with talking about emails. Nobody emails the show anymore either. So I just got an email. I'm like, Al, it's a text. Yeah. He'd probably call it a telex one it's day. a text. Yeah. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Maybe this is the window for you to tell us, to tease, um, who is... But- 
This has been three hours. We've been this, yeah, this, I kept telling people we're going to say it, and now we're finally going to get round to it because uh, I, I we were talking about a title race, and I said you've got one up in Scotland. Of course, mm-hmm. I said Rangers on a good run at the moment. Your team Celtic, couple of points behind them. It's so annoying though, because. Brendan spoke about Brendan Rogers spoke about this the other day in Scotland. You don't have the opportunity for two teams at the top to be good. Mm. You know, it's not acceptable. It's not like the Premier League where you can go, oh, the title race is well and truly alive. You're Celtic and you're Rangers, and if you're behind the other, it's a real problem. And I was texting my dad earlier on, and he's like, I would take anybody at Celtic now over Brendan Rogers. And he's not had the worst season, but when you compare it to Ange, you know, it was yeah. it was incredible, the things that Ange Postacoglu done and the happiness that he brought to Parkhead. And I was thinking... Hold that thought. Oh, no, you're oh, not yeah. going to leave it again. All we right, are. OK. All will be revealed after we've got Olaf back on a, on a slightly <laughs> better line. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. So I said to you, who would you like to be the manager of Celtic then? And you said... Jose Mourinho. And me and Andy Goldstein, when you said it, we both sort of pulled a face. Yeah. Um, I get that face a lot. And then you, and then you expanded on it, and mm-hmm. yeah, I, I could. So anyway, let's. So, do you think he'd be attracted to that? I mean, he does. I mean, he's been in Spain, where he's been in a two-horse race, effectively, mm-hmm. and you're only really judged against the results against that one team, aren't you? So he he, he knows that experience. I like the idea of it. He's in his sixties now. He's a legend. I think he could spice up the Scottish Premiership. Yeah. I think the idea of Josie Mourinho being, for, being involved in old firms could be total magic. Yeah. Uh, and also it could give oh, the, them a chance. Oh, the housery. The housery would be real. Fantastic, wouldn't it, in it, the old firm derby? It would be utter chaos. And we like to see that, you know. Yeah. Okay, there's lines to the chaos here. But I, I do think that there's something in it there. And... It's, it's difficult when you speak about managers likely to get letting go of their jobs and I think Brendan's doing the job that he can okay there's been injuries at Celtic but a lot of Celtic fans wouldn't have had him back in the first place mm. but you look at the job that Josie did at Roma the proud moments that it brought for him over his career Celtic's a massive club mm. you know all over the world a world renowned club and then we talk about money would they be able to afford him you look at what he earned at Roma it was around about six million a salary right. the, over the year. What Brendan Rodgers, about three to three and a half million, okay. but we all know the cost of living is a little bit cheaper okay. in Glasgow. So do you think, I don't know, do you think Jose is sold like that? You think, well, it's a lot cheaper when you go and do your shopping. It's a lot cheaper why, in Glasgow. Why not? Your rent's a hell of a lot cheaper too. Yeah. You'd get a nice wee tasty mortgage. He pay normally that off has a kind of a whole floor of a hotel. That's what he did in Manchester. Then he'd go down to breakfast with his big plate and do all that. It was like Alan Partridge. So I'll take you could find him a nice, nice I'm place sure to live. I'm sure there's lovely parts of the world in Glasgow. Yeah. I'm sure he'd settle in nicely. By the university. Up, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Nice yeah. little nice little flat round that way. Down the Gallagate. Also, you could have a wee beer in there and then walk along to yeah. the game and have a good old time. I think his ego, I mean, I think he'd love the adoration because, you know, I think he'd be very popular if he did the job and he would absolutely soak it up. He actually spoke as well about Brendan Rodgers, his first stint at Celtic and Mm -hmm. how um, he credited the job that he'd done at the club. So he does have eyes on Celtic. He is aware of the club and the stature. We're also hearing that there's links to the Bayern job too because he's been learning German, but we can teach him colloquial Glaswegian and he could absolutely have a party up in Glasgow, imagine that. But now it's going to come down to this old firm game because uh, Rangers are two points ahead at the moment. Next game's going to be 7th of April, I think, the old firm. Um, And that will be interesting when it comes to the title race there. Is that at Ibrox or is it... Yeah, and when Brendan Rodgers said it yesterday, he said, you don't get the opportunity to be praised for being second in the league in Scotland. You no. can't, that's not it. So something well, not when you has see to the drop off to third. You've it's got a point. More, you, really? it's, a, it's a sickener. But I text my dad, my dad said I'd, I'd love Josie Mourinho. So he'd go with Josie. He would do it, he would do it. My dad's my, my knowledgeable man of Celtic, so there you go. Has he been, I wonder if he's ever been sort of offered it before. I wonder if they've even tried to, to court him before. It would make sense, wouldn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, big manager, big club. You know, experience in Europe. European football. I mean, Celtic are terrible in Europe. Brendan Rodgers actually is worse in Europe, I think, than Celtic are in Europe. Yeah. Um, he's got a terrible record. So, so a manager that actually could bring maybe some glory, you know, in, okay. in Champions League football would be interesting. Well, he said, he said to Rio Ferdinand on his podcast the other day that he still doesn't fancy international management. There's only so many jobs in club management and maybe, you know, it's, it's a big club and a, and a great challenge. So who knows? Would you take him at England, replacing Gareth Southgate? 
There was something... Didn't he say, I think he said in that podcast, he could have taken it in 2007, Where's 2008. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, he's quite... It'd be a real culture shock to those players. Real arm round the shoulder, Gareth, all the dear England stuff. Very different from, from Jose, I would think. It would be... Um, still be the three-year itch. The trouble is, it's a four-year cycle for tournament. Well, two-year cycle, but four-year cycle in the World Cup. So if, if it's crash and burn after... Because that's what it is with Jose these mm. days, isn't Take it? him in Glasgow. Jose to Glasgow. Go on, then. Celtic, okay. I mean, I'm all for that. Cover the record tomorrow, that'll be. <laughs> uh, like it's like it's gospel, like we know some. We've heard nothing. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. As you've been hearing, some really sad news today that uh, not just a regular listener to the station, but a regular contributor to this show and many other shows on TalkSport. Ewan McIntosh, who played Keith mm. in the office had died. You and often I'd be sitting here with the, the board with pe- people getting in touch, and you and would say, be listening this afternoon. He'd, he'd add to the list and he'd give us stories and anecdotes and bits and pieces along the way. So he he was a regular on the station. It was very, very sad news. I think 15, absolutely no age at all. And mm-hmm. he was a very funny man, as we all saw. So we thought we would. Just play you a little bit of the office. So one of the one of the bits we can play at this time of the day. That memorable moment, of course, when he was having his appraisal with uh, David Brent. <laughs> Under strengths, you've just put accounts. Yeah. That's your job, though. That's just that's just. Mm. No, Keith. I was sort of looking for your skills within your job. So is there anything else you could have put there? No. Okay. Um, under weaknesses. You've put eczema. Right, you've, you've, le- you've left this section completely blank, Keith. You haven't done the Q&A. I thought that you filled that in. No, 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 no. This is aimed at you. Look, um, look. To what extent do you believe that you have the skills and knowledge to perform your job effectively? And then you just tick one of the boxes. Not at all. To some extent, very much so. Don't know. What would you tick? Don't know. OK. Um... Question two. Uh, do you feel you have received adequate training to use your computer effectively? What are the options? Same as, they're always the same. Always the same. Not at all. To some extent, very much so. Don't know. Don't know. Don't know again. Okay. Do you feel you are given the flexibility to decide how best to accomplish your goals? Do you want the options again? Yeah. Not at all. To some extent, always the same. Very much so. Don't, don't know. know. If don't know wasn't there, what would you put? Well, the option. Not at all. To some extent, very much so. Very, don't know. Very much so. Do you remember what the question was? No. Okay. Do you? Let's. We're going to leave that there. <laughs> oh, iconic scene. Yeah. You know, make you laugh on he, any day. He was tragic. a very funny man. That's mm. a great shame. You and McIntosh, who uh, Tom died earlier today. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. There we are. That's where it all unfolded today. I'll be back with Charlie uh, tomorrow. Shaban, you're back on Friday. I will be seeing you then. I'll try my best not to mess up. And you'll be back on. You'll be back tomorrow with Big Alan and Gabby, uh, but also from five o'clock with early breakfast. Early breakfast from five o'clock on a Thursday. Everything you need to ease you into your working day. Marvelous. Uh, do hope you can join myself and Charlie uh, tomorrow. We'll catch up with you then. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between. 1 and 4 p.m. on Talk Sport.